0: Rich Froning figured
1: this out before everybody else. Mm -hmm. And Rich Froning invented the EMOM. Yep. Definition training. There's no score. Yep. You are going to do three muscle-ups this minute, and you're going to do three heavy power cleans the next minute. And what he's doing is he's putting in the rest to lower the, the super high intensity so he can train to get better. Got it.
0: We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That Chasing Excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stopping. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Excellence show. As always, I'm here with Ben. How are you, sir? Good, Patrick. (laughs) It's the Chasing Excellence show this week. Yeah, I like it. Um, okay, so today we have uh, I, I dove back into all of the listener questions we've been getting and tried to find a couple that were uh, dealing with a subject that I felt like we could take a couple of them and jam jam them together and have a conversation about it. And the one today we're gonna we're gonna do is roughly around the the topic with the idea of performance anxiety. Um, so we've got three or four questions that we're gonna hit, and then we'll so, sort of see where the conversation goes from there. First one is gonna be. Um, I have an athlete that has amazing work work ethic and consistently performs well in practice, but once he gets on the starting block where it counts during a swim meet or championship, he chokes every single time. What do you recommend I do to help build his confidence?
1: Okay. I'm going to make this one super tactical. Okay. Like um, not theoretical at all. So we could talk about... Um, confidence yep. and mental toughness and focus and resilience and grit and all those things. Let's um, give. Um, we did like, an episode on that. <laughs> we've probably done plenty of episodes on that. Let's go like super yeah, tactical. I love that. What we need to do in this situation, where <clears throat> an athlete is um, essentially like a, a, they're awesome in training, but they fall apart in um, competition. What we need to do there is make training more like competition mm. and you make competition more like training. Ooh, okay. So what's happening is there's this big disparity. He's yeah. in the comfort zone. Yep. He's comfortable. He's he feels super confident because there's, he's, he's doing well. He's, he's in he's, his good he's, spot. He's, he's in his good spot. Yep. Then he gets in a strange unknown environment where, uh, there's a lot more quote unquote pressure, um, what we need to do is make that more common. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's let's not. It is a swimmer. Yep. So um, I'm guessing that what happens is when the coach is like, okay, in, in practice, let's get on the blocks and um, let's see how fast you can do this hundred. Ready, go. And the kid swims the hundred and comes back. and says, like, okay, that was twenty. Like that's we got him. What we got. But when he gets on game day, that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. He's probably resting. Mm-hmm. He's probably doing a warm up lapse beforehand, resting a long time, going in the back, coming out to a lot of noise and excitement and stakes and expectations and unknown competitors and set benchmark and times he has to be. We got to bring that to training. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying all the time, but way more frequently than we are. You have to make this more of a norm. So um, what we need to do is have that experience. What we can do is in training, get the kid to go in the locker room after a warm-up session for 25 minutes and not be able to touch the pool. Mm. Then when he comes out, have like crazy loud music, bring his friends and family in to watch the training session. Um, Basically dress rehearsals. Mm -hmm. When he does the training session, give him stakes. If you do not beat this time, have it be within a short percentage of his, of his best, then there's a consequence. Mm-hmm. Either you need to make it fun, whatever it is. You mm-hmm. need to, you know, run around the building in your you know bathing suit in the winter or mm-hmm. you, um, or it's a punishment thing mm-hmm. where it's, um, you need to, uh, swim an extra thousand or like we've done this with Katrin. Um, we, when we try to up the stakes, if I make her do extra work, she's psyched. So that doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah. What we do instead is these, everyone's going to watch you do this. If you can't get these X number of rope climbs done in this amount of time, everyone here that's watching you has to do 50 burpees. <laughs> and now she, her anxiety yeah. goes way up. Yeah. And now what we're doing is we're bringing anxiety in the moment, yeah. stakes and pressure to training. Well, if you do that enough, you dull it, you numb it. Like exposure does that to everything. Mm -hmm. The more exposure you get to anything, the the less it's going to sting. So you get used to it. You get used to dealing with this. And then what you do is you go through all like the the game day stuff. Here's how you bring it down. So you're gonna do whatever you want. And you know I'm trying to say tactic, but like the visualization. You're gonna breathe. You're gonna go through your routine. You're gonna follow your Whatever it is to bring the anxiety levels back down, you bring those practices into training and you bring those practices into game day so they feel the same. There's not this huge discrepancy between the two. The reason people feel pressure is because it's different Mm -hmm. and there's stakes and there's – well, let's – have that be a little more common. Now, you can't go so far that you burn the person out. Right. There takes a level of art and science, this whole thing. You got to um, dose it appropriately. Mm-hmm. But that's the way to bring up um, game day anxiety and game day um, um how to deal with game day pressure.
0: Where do you, where does other
1: competitors fit into that as yeah, it relates great. to trainer? To For sure. Training. You bring that in as well. So yeah. like you bring the friends and you bring in other top competitors. That's another great tool yeah. or tactic to, to do that as well. So if Catherine's having trouble with game day stuff, but she's awesome in training, okay, let's bring in Brooke. Let's bring in Cole. Let's bring in Fraser and let's have these people compete in, it's one of the reasons we do that before the games. It's one of the reasons we do that. We used to do regionals. We used to bring in these competitors to go in that environment. Mm-hmm. So they're not, so they're used to being behind, mm-hmm. you know, in everyday training session. They're either training by themselves or they're training with people that they destroy all the time. These are the fittest athletes in the world. Well, what happens to your psyche when you're used to being, you know, three minutes ahead in a, in a, in a race, you know, 10 minutes into it, when all of a sudden now you're down by 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, Holy crap. Like, maybe I'm not that you start questioning things. Mm-hmm. You start to fall apart. You need to raise the stakes in training. Mm-hmm.
0: The one, the one, the one other thing about this question that's, that stuck out to me is I wonder, and maybe, maybe you've already answered it, but I wonder if you think, could it be something other than confidence? Cause confidence is really, that's kind of an easy thing to point to and say, if you just had more confidence, you would be better on game day. But is there in your experience, I mean, confidence I don't know if that's a very, like, I don't know how tangible you can make that. And I wonder if there's just something else there that if you looked at it differently, you'd, you'd be able to put a plan in place to say, okay, let's actually tackle that thing.
1: Yeah. Um, cause a lot of top performers, they have plenty no, it's, of confidence. No, it's, they, I, I disagree. Okay. They do not have, because we haven't defined it. Mm-hmm. What is confidence? Some mm-hmm. of confidence is. And if people, if you can't yeah. tell me what it is, like, then you're just talking about it in this arbitrary sense. Like, yeah. are they confident or are they not? I don't really know. <clears throat> they seem confident. Like, yep. man, they're like, they got, or their, maybe I'm just projecting to you that if I was as good as you, I'd be confident. Like, so therefore you must be So confident. what most people think confidence is like, I believe I have the ability to win. Yeah. That's not confidence. That's Mm -hmm. arrogance. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's arrogance and arrogance gets shattered like that. Like the second you fall behind, it's gone. Well, that's because it's not confidence. It's arrogance and arrogance is fleeting. It's not real and it's hurtful. Mm. Confidence is super powerful. What confidence is, all you have to do is redefine this for your athletes. What confidence is the, the, the knowledge that I know I can give my best effort regardless of circumstances. Period. That's what being super confident is. Now, like if you're going to go into the be like a, the Navy SEALs, one of the most hell week, the most challenging things ever. Do you know you're gonna? Do you know you're gonna make it through that? Yeah. No. Nobody does. Yep. Are you confident? Well, you could be confident if you said it's not a matter of what I make it through, but that I'm going to give my best effort regardless of what they throw at me. Totally within your control. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it gets even colder one day. They make you spend even more time in the water. They make you stay um even less sleep. Like, okay. Like I can still bring my best. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm not going to win. I'm not going to beat the other boat crew. I might not be the fastest guy on my boat crew, but that doesn't mean I still can't be confident. And if you redefine confident in terms of the, the um um tangible aspects that you have control over, that's when it shifts.
0: Got it. Love that. Okay, we're going to move on to the next question. I've recently developed anxiety, which among other things, flares up pre workout. Um, it really, it's really hindering my performance. It's taken the enjoyment away from training. Logically. I know how I feel should be within my control and I beat myself up for feeling this. How can I get back to my killer instinct mindset without falling to pieces?
1: Okay. So this is, um, where the first one was, um, a game day anxiety. This is, um, practice day anxiety. So this person feels it every single day. They've lost the enjoyment. Um, God, I'm, and I'm kind of beating myself up because I feel like, I, like, what's the deal? I know I shouldn't be feeling like this. Um, what's happening is this person is kind of doing the opposite of the first person. They're putting too much stakes on training. Mm. They're putting too much stakes into their practice. What they need to realize is there's a very, very different approach and a very different um, results that come from training, practicing, and competing. Those mm-hmm. are three very separate things. What most people... In our sport, do is they go to the gym every day and they compete. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, no, no, I didn't sign up for anything. If you're trying to beat the people next to you, you're competing. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's a competition. If I go up the leaderboard, you go down, and that matters to me. Definition: competition, mm-hmm. training. There is no scoreboard in training. In fact, the coach will stop practice in the middle and readjust people, and we don't keep score. And it's all about getting better. That's what. Training is about. Mm-hmm. Very few people are actually doing that. Practice is even a step below that, where it's half speed. Mm-hmm. Now we're in helmets and shoulder pads. You know, we're doing a walkthrough. We're actually um, looking at the playbook. We're actually studying it's 50% speed in our world in CrossFit. It's yep. 50% loads or lighter. It's very thoughtful. It's very slow. There's no heart rate. There's no muscle strain. Mm-hmm. Almost no one is doing that. Mm. Beyond the warm-up, very few people are doing that. What I would suggest to this athlete is try to, not on pen and paper, but just conceptualize. Mm-hmm. How much time are you spending competing, worrying about your results compared to other people? And by the way, that's you compared to your past self. Mm-hmm. So if it's you're competing against where you were last year or where you think you should be right now, that's competition. Yeah. Or are you in training mode, which is like, I'm focused on improving right now in the moment. Training you know, moderate threshold type weights. And if it gets too hard or too sticky, I I slow down to make sure I'm moving well. How much time am I spending practicing? Probably not a lot. What I would do for this athlete, keeping it super tactical, is I would stop doing the prescribed workouts that are signed in the gym. Mm -hmm. I would alter every single workout ever so slightly so you can't compete with somebody else or your former self. If the workout comes up that it's Fran, okay, you're not going to do Fran that day because you have too much anxiety. You have to step away from this. This won't be forever, but you have to reprogram your brain Mm -hmm. into I'm here to get better. You're going to do Fran today. You'll still do 21, 15, 9 thrusters, 95 pounds, but your pull-ups now are toes to bar Mm. or strict pull-ups with 15, um, Mm 126 We're going to change it up a little bit. You still get to be with the class. You still get to... um, um, participate with them. You still get to the exact desired stimulus, not exact, very close to the desired stimulus, but there's no temptation to like pass, fail, win, lose. They're better than the anxiety frustration. I'm beating myself because I'm not there. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure you're in training mode. And the the tactical way to do that is don't do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Keep it really close, but just alter it ever so slightly. And I promise you, your anxiety will go down. Mm-hmm. If it, if it doesn't, it's a bigger issue that has to do with like, um, the gym is messing up your head. Mm. In that case, I would suggest getting out of the gym Mm. and start doing something else. Go for trail runs and start lifting sandbags in the backyard. Mm -hmm. When it comes to training, I think I can see
0: how it, how it happens in practice. But when it comes to training, how do you, do you, like, how do you make sure that the athlete stays within the training Mm -hmm. mentality and mindset? Do you literally say we're going to go at this pace and we're not going to go more? Like, how do you? So that's, I guess it's cuz it's just it's fuzzy to me cuz yep. I I can see comp- competing I can see practicing but I, so, I but Rich Froning figured
1: this out before everybody else mm-hmm. and Rich Froning invented the EMOM. Yep. Definition training. There's yep. no score. Yep. You are going to do 3 muscle ups yep. this minute and you're going to do 3 heavy power cleans the next minute. And what he's doing is he's putting in the rest to lower the the super high intensity yep. so he can train to get better. Got it. Then like everyone takes EMOM things every minute on the minute you do this amount of work as like complex. He's a pretty smart dude. Mm-hmm. He figured that out way, mm-hmm. way back. Mm-hmm. So EMOMs is one easy strategy to make sure you're not competing your training. Got it. Last thing
0: about this question that stuck out to me is this notion of a killer instinct or killer instinct mindset. Mm-hmm. Just curious if you have any thoughts or any any reaction to that. That feels to me like a very high bar to hit and one that is um potentially part of the p- problem. Yeah. To, to so hit, to hit that or to have that or feel like you've done that every day is kind of setting yourself up to f- to feel like uh a-
1: Yeah. So um what I'm guessing is um his killer instinct is uh, is being blunted because he's um um very results oriented. And if he's doing well, mm. man, I'm I'm killing, I'm killing it. it. I'm now I'm like yep. aggressive and now I have confidence like we talked about before. Yeah what I would suggest this athlete does is redefine success. Mm -hmm. It may not redefine. Define success in measurable terms. Define success in controllable, something you can control. Success cannot be, I'm going to uh, qualify for Waterpalooza. I'm going to finish top 10 at the games. I'm going to open up and start a million dollar business. I'm going to get promoted. Success has to be something that You ultimately control, and it's okay if it's not measurable. Mm -hmm. It's okay if it's kind of loose. Um, It's got to be something like what I said confidence is, right? Regardless of the situation ahead of me, I know I'm going to give my very best effort. And then from there, like put yourselves in situations where you can start to give your very best effort. When people start coming back from injury, this is essentially an injury. It's an injury of the mental aspect. Hmm. Um, I pull people away from competition because it's just gonna set them up for failure, mm-hmm. and then I put them in. Uh, I I have people do their wheelhouse workouts. Mm. What's the best? Like, what's gonna give you confidence? Yeah. What are you gonna enjoy doing? You want killer instinct? Like, do, like, Captain's coming back from something. Okay, it's hang power cleans, assault bike, and and push jerks. Like, yeah. let's go. Like, it's yeah. you're gonna crush half the guys at the games in that workout. You know. So, um, like, set yourself up for success by giving yourself success. Mm.
0: Love that. All right. So the last, uh, the last question are questions because there are two that that I like that were that are similar. Um, so I'll kind of I'll kind of give a quick uh, take on both of them. First one is I've broken my ankle twice, once from jumping, and now I'm terrified of box jumps. The second one is I struggle with uh, getting uh, fearful and anxious around certain weights when I'm Olympic lifting, particularly snatches. So both of them are uh, maybe movement specific or, yeah. or something like that. So curious how you would. Um, in my mind, both of these folks maybe are in a class. So I'm curious how you would, you would help them, um, start to either get over it or get around it or, or how you begin.
1: Sure. Let's, um, let's put it really, um, um, specific and, and tactful. Yep. Um, she's trying to jump onto a 20 inch box. Yep. He's trying to snatch, um, 185 pounds. Sure. Okay, so it's the same deal regardless. Is um, you need to take incremental steps, measuring your success, making sure that we are training and getting better and practicing, getting better, not just jumping your th- full into competition. There's this um, this way we get better at things. One is comfort, mm-hmm. which uh, which is I should say there's three different me three different approaches to trying to improve something. One is by staying in your comfort zone. So let's say this, the guy that can snatch 185 pounds, he's probably fairly comfortable snatching 155, um, 165, there's probably a couple misses, 175, we're probably below 50%. And then he throws 185 on and just like freezes, can't even like pull it above his waist. In that situation, if he just like, if he pounds away with 185, he's not going to make any gains, right? Well... That's because he's in the struggle zone. It's like it's too much. It's not going to help you. You're in panic zone. Mm. The opposite of that is you're in comfort zone. Him trying to improve his snatch with 95 pounds, essentially 50%, is probably not going to help a ton. But if he finds the learning zone, which is at your threshold... That's where the magic happens. Mm. And for this athlete, it's probably around 155, 165 pounds, yep. somewhere in there. So what we need to do first and foremost is get athletes to spend a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. Now let's take that for the box jump person. Okay. They stare at a 20-inch at box and they can't even get their feet to leave the ground because they're so freaked out. Yep. But jumping on a 10-pound plate like is not doing anything for them. Right. So what you need to do is find where's that threshold and maybe for that athlete, it's a 12 inch box. It stacked up a few, um, um, three 45 pound plates. And we're going to spend some time there. Now, from there, once you build up that kind of, um, a repertoire once you build up that kind of arsenal underneath you then what we get, what we want to do is once you feel really comfortable there is let's even do something like what that what i'm saying is we'll spend time in workouts at that mm-hmm. so we're not going to have the girl that can't jump on the box in a workout try to jump on a 20-inch box mm. that makes no sense yep. What yep. we also don't want to do is have her jump on a 10-pound plate yep. what we want to do is get her to jump on something that is she has to think about mm-hmm. but she's not stuttering she's not doing so find it, is it 10, is it 12 inches, whatever that is. And that's where she's going to spend the bulk of her time. Mm-hmm. Similar, if this guy's building up to heavies, let's build up to 155 to 165. We're not going to, we're rarely going to go to 175 and we're not going to touch 185. Yep. And then what we want to do there is build up a lot. So whether that's like, we're going to do a bunch of workouts here, a bunch of workouts here, or we're going to do... It, for Olympic lifting, a great way to do this is Imam 20 at 155. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's done 20 reps at 155, like, dude, if you can do that, you own it. It's yours. You own it. And then what we'll do is we'll very controlled environment, not in a Metcon or anything else. We'll just very slowly bump it up. Okay. You got 20 reps at 155. That means you can probably very simply do... Um, Um, 12 reps at 160, Mm -hmm. which means you probably do seven reps at 165 and so on. And we're going to go up until you can get to 175. Then what I would do is build up that same thing, that stamina at 175. So you feel you have a big repertoire and you have this, all this confidence. Mm -hmm. I've gotten 10 in a row at 175. Let's see where 185 is. You might have a little more confidence. Mm -hmm. Another little trick to it is once you get to that person, you're lifting with them in a lifting session, um, have them lift with kilos. Hmm. or so they don't know. What's, they don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They don't know or lift with a bunch of 10s and 15s and throw some two and a halves in the middle yeah. and fives and, yeah. and they literally don't know. They yeah. have them truly go off of feel. Yeah, um, You'd be shocked at what happens with the mental barrier that we put up this, um, like this, this person that can't jump on the box. Yeah. So what you do for that athlete is not just have them jump on a 20-inch box because it's the plates. They're like, I got it, the plates, I got it. Some people, if you stack up plates, you can stack them up all the way to 21 inches. They can jump on that, but they can't jump on a box. Mm. So what you do in that scenario is you have them jump on a box all the time, but you make the box smaller by having them start on plates. Mm. So if they're starting on plates, say they start on 145, so stack up three 45 pound plates yep. in front of Got it. a 20 inch box. Now they're only jumping eight inches okay let's replace one of those for a 25 now they're jumping 10 inches now they're on two 25s and they're jumping and you're just lowering the plates they're jumping higher but the thing they're staring at never changes it's always the same target it's this little workaround change the weights don't let it's basically don't let them know and then make it consistent like i'm always you don't want the leap of jumping on plates to a box like Mm you got to had that consistency across the board
0: from a coaching perspective are those all those things you just said um would you attempt to do those in a class environment like if you saw okay Susie's yep. having trouble with the box here yep is, can i engage with her do you like do you totally do you try okay yes and, and it's not something like okay i've got to now I'll what, let me let her do double unders or whatever and what then I'll we do later. in our
1: classes is we do dry runs we do mock runs of the workout so if we're going to do a workout, let's say, let's make it really we're going to do snatches and box jumps. Okay. So, okay? What we're going to do is we're going to do snatches and box jumps and the workout is, um, let's call it, we rarely do this, but like, let's say it is a single snatch at 185 for this person, just for the sake of the story. And it's going to be five box jumps at 20 inches for the girls. What we're going to do is a dry run. We're going to do a practice round and we'll have athletes start off with like, okay, let's get two jumps away from what you think your working weight is. Something light. We're going to take two jumps together and we're watching the class snatch. And so one looks sticky. We walk up to that athlete. And we're like, Hey, maybe we stay at this weight or maybe we can lower it from here. Everyone looks good. Cool. Let's take that next jump out. Somebody hesitates to jump on the box and all of a sudden we're like, okay, let's try jumping on two plates or let's stack up two plates in front of the box. And then what we want to do is in the workout, work at their, th- just get all the reps in. You're trying to get in all the reps at that threshold, which we talked about with me, like the 12 inch box and the 155. Mm-hmm. And then outside of class, we're going to work them up to that, um, to pass that threshold. Mm-hmm. That's the, the mental block. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen in class, not a control enough yep. environment. Yep. Um, last
0: question, just as it relates to thinking about all, all three or all four of these questions, um, you, you very intentionally gave a lot of tactical advice of like, here's what you would do if that, but how would you, if this was an athlete in a class or you were their coach, how would you more kind of globally talk to them or work with them on the, just cause on the notion of where this anxiety is coming from, where, um, like what is actually the sticking point here? Would you, or would you only focus on, I'm just going to work on actions because actions are ultimately going to get them past this or whatever.
1: Yeah. It depends on the athlete. Yeah. Um, it depends on the athlete in a bunch of different ways. It'd be like, what is their, if they want to compete, I'm certainly going to talk about this. If they're here for the best hour of their day, probably not. Okay. You know, um, a lot of people come for the best hour of the day, but they really want to be able to jump on a 20 inch box. That matters a lot to them. In that case, I'm probably not going down the road of like performance anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, um, where fear stems from, um, yeah. how to deal with pressure, um, mental toughness. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it tot- tactically Got it. and just get them past it. And like, Oh, I can do that. Yep. Um, but on the flip side, if this is somebody that wants to compete at a high level, we got, we, it's, we mandatory mm-hmm. have to have that conversation.
0: Yeah. You can't, you can't tactic your way through. <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: it's gonna They're going to run into something else. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks to everybody who sends us questions. Thank you, Ben. We will see everybody next week. Thank you.